Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Donald Bird and Falling Like Dominoes here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me for another edition of Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. My business shaper today is Paul Lindley. He is the founder of Ella's Kitchen, which if you have had or do have very young children, you will know all about because they do some yummy and very healthy food. Lots coming up from him and his story. In addition to hearing from Paul, you will also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, I promise you some brilliant music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, including Snarky Puppies Bill Lawrence, Sam Cooke and this from Etta James on Jazz FM. <laughs> was I'd Rather Go Blind from Etta Janes. Thank you very much for joining me on Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. My business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers is Paul Lindley. He is the founder of Ella's Kitchen, which, as I said, if you are a young parent, or rather an old parent, or even a somewhere in the middle parent with young children, you will know all about Ella's Kitchen. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. Morning, Elliot. Now, tell me, you set up this business in 2004. Prior to that, you were doing normal things. You were working for a big company. You worked for Nickelodeon. And in fact, I even believe you have a, a pretty serious um, title. You were, you were an accountant by trade, a chief financial officer. What made that person decide to make the leap and become his own boss? Yeah, well, I guess I had this little person in my head that always wanted to do something a little bit different. But I was never brave enough in my 20s um, or really have the idea that I knew it was the one. So in my mid-30s, I had an idea that actually food for young children could be healthy, handy and fun. And I thought I could set up a brand and I had the confidence to give it a go. Because I, I thought, if I don't do this now, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And um, I've, I've not looked back in terms of enjoyment of what I do, in impact that we've made and in a business that we've created. Now... People often say that financial people are not necessarily the most creative, which I don't think is true, but you, you hear that, that on, on the streets, as it were. You said you had the idea, and many people have ideas, but how did you know, even at that early stage, that it would be potentially a commercially good one? Because of my experience, really. So I, I was an accountant, and that is a tremendous um, experience and skill set to have when you're starting a business because a business has to make money and you have to understand the difference between cash and profit and, um, and, and an investment strategy. However, for the last five or six years at Nickelodeon, I was really running the brand there. So I was a marketeer by sort of um, practice and an accountant by sort of training. And those two things, I think, the ability to be creative and, and design a brand and really think about your consumer from that perspective 
and to be able to control the costs and be realistic about your revenues were two th- two skills that my experience brought and gave me the confidence, I guess, to get going on my own um, with uh, you know just a, a mobile phone and, and a load of ideas in my head. And that experience that you talk about is one thing, but actually starting the business and it, with no income, had you saved money? I often ask this question. I mean, how did you manage to actually put food on the table for those first couple of years before you started selling products? Well, I got to the stage, uh, mid-30s, as I say, where I had been in Nickelodeon for, for nine or ten years and I wanted a change in my life. I, I loved the experience I'd got there and this idea came into my head, so I, I really wanted to go for it. Um, but I'd saved enough money to sort of think, look, I'll give myself two years to try and get going and it's like an MBA. It's like, I think I will learn enough in those two years, even if the business fails, um, as though I'd done an MBA. So that was my mindset. Um, and um, it was 2004 is when I gave up my job and I started thinking through what does the Alice Kitchen brand, this future brand, what will it stand for? And I didn't really need to spend a lot of money, actually, in getting that together, some, some tens of thousands of pounds, I guess. And then I will never forget, sort of 18 months in, the phone call I got back from the supermarket that we launched with um, that said, uh, we'll take a flyer, we'll, 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 take, we'll take a flyer, as her words, and we'll go with your idea. And thinking, yes, I've done it, but in the same breath thinking, oh my God, I've got to do it, because that's when I really had to put my hand in my pocket to make stock, to have a marketing campaign and all of those things. So um, my wife and I spoke about how we would raise that money and we decided we'd remortgage our house. Um, so we, we raised £200,000 and that's how we got the business started. Well, everyone needs a Paul Lindley in their business. Find out much more from my very um, creative and commercial business shaper. Time for some music. This is Bill Lawrence's Build Earlier. It's Snarky Puppy's Pianist solo album and the name of this track is Never Ending City. <laughs> That was Never Ending City from Bill Lawrence. Paul Lynn is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. He's been talking about how he found £200,000, luckily in the value of his house, or not so luckily maybe for the value of that, the equity left, um, and then very creatively managed to convince um, a TV network to invest in a way and take a bit of a punt. That kind of creativity that you outlined is, um, I guess, the result of nous uh, and intellect and kind of knowing the ropes. In those first 18 months, though, before you had that call, they said they'd take a flyer, and before you kind of knew you had to launch, were there moments when you went, I've made a mistake here, I'm not going to do this? Did you ever wake up thinking that or ever go to bed thinking that? I'm a big believer in sleeping on things. So waking up in the morning, I've got a much more clear view of uh, and balanced view of, of what's right and wrong than going to bed. So I suppose there were highs and lows, um, but I never lost that unbreakable faith that what I had was a good idea, um, that I wasn't being arrogant, but I was being ambitious 
um, and that I could really create a brand and that brand could really change the way children um, relate to food and their, 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 their diets um, and create a business and a brand that would make money. And I want to focus on that for a moment because, as you said, there was a call for consumers. We're going back 10 years now. There were very few healthy groups of food for, for, for young children. With your marketing hat on and your commercial hat on, is that, is that the gap you spotted at the same time as going, I just have a vision and a passion and a purpose to feed children well? Or was there a confluence of the two, in other words? Unusually, what I subsequently found was that I had this very clear idea of what my brand would be, what Ella's Kitchen would be before I had a clue what products would go in there. I think most people start a business, they've got a few products and suddenly they've got a brand and they're trying to corral it together. I had this very clear vision of what the values of Ella's Kitchen would be, what it would stand for and why consumers would want it. So the reasons why I thought it would work all those eight, nine, ten years ago um, are exactly the reasons why it's different today. And the world has moved on a long time. There's been some new innovation and things come along. But the things that we brought, which was a look at the whole business from a child's p- point of view, children toddlers influence so much of what we do. I, I know you're a, an active father yourself, Elliot, and I know that um, your children will influence where you live, the car you drive, the holidays you go on, certainly the food that they eat and the clothes that they wear, the toys that they play with, all of those sort of things. Really important in the economy. They control about £2 billion worth of expenditure in our economy. So I just didn't get why people don't listen to them enough. And my, my background at Nickelodeon was all about empowering children. So that was one thing. And we're, we're unique still in doing that. And I think it's, um, it's uh, a great testimony to, to the team that's, that's helped create the, what Ellis Kitchen has become. Secondly, I knew to break into a market that had multinational sort of competitors, and all my customers were multinational big supermarkets, uh, we had to be innovative and different. And we brought a brand new kind of packaging. We brought recipes that other people thought were, were just weird, um, but worked and you know we brought a sense of fun and vibrancy and color and an idea that food is about connecting with all of your senses um, that children really enjoy and then the third thing i saw the baby food industry especially as very functional yet we're at the most emotional when we have babies so i tried to use the real life story of of ella my daughter and, and ella's kitchen as a just a normal family that are trying to go through the the ups and downs and stresses and strains of weaning in a, in, in a try and do it in a fun way. We're, those three things are still different today, and I think that's why our business has worked. Wow, and a pretty good exposition of the strategy, and I imagine that's evolved, and you probably realised what you were doing after you'd done it, <laughs> but that is usually the way. Latest travel coming up in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners for your business from Mishkondorea. I'm Sonal Gandhi, and I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for private clients and their companies when they're buying and selling or dealing otherwise with high-end properties, predominantly in the central London area. Communication plays a huge role in any transaction, business, property or otherwise. Property is emotional. It's people's homes. They want to know, even if nothing is happening, they want to know that you're on the case, that they're important, as important as all of your other clients that you've got, whether they're buying a million pound house or whether they're buying a quarter of a million pound house. It's letting the client know and updating the client at all times what is happening with their deal. Communication is undervalued. That one line email or that one phone call just to give an update It makes all the difference. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, 
but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9am till 10, here on Jazz FM. You can also catch us on iTunes, British Airways if you're flying from time to time, CityAM and FT.com as well. Plenty of places indeed. Paul Lindley is my business shaper. He's the founder of Ella's Kitchen, and you've been hearing lots about how this very clever man has gone about creating a fantastic business. In those early days, once you'd launched, and the supermarket that's taken a flyer was Sainsbury's, mm-hmm. right? 350 stores, I believe. Yep. I mean, not bad. It's a pretty good flyer. We'd all like flyers like that. Um, things start to grow. It's, it, you know, the, the vision of the vibrant packaging, the, the, the really great, lovely big graphics that you have. The Ellis Kitchen is right there. The, the facings look good. You're, 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 you're innovating on product. All the things are, are looking pretty healthy. Did you ever imagine it would grow quite as fast as it did? Again, not to try and sound arrogant to your Yes, listeners. I did. Yeah, funny enough, <laughs> but I did. I, I do think that if people set big, hairy goals, mm. it's a better thing than to set too low goals and to overachieve them. I think a lot of people worry of, if you set a goal too high and you miss it, you're all going to feel down because you've missed, you've missed something and you failed. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think if you set a high goal, um, you've got a chance of achieving it and you get to change the world you get to change the world of business you get to change the world of food and and social impact if you can aim really high so that's what i did i did want to be the world's first premium baby food brand and that is a business that 10 years later we're there now you talk about these other big beer moths of companies and we know we know who those those people are indeed we grew up them as 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 uh, middle-aged adults now (laughs) um they have probably taken their off the ball over the years and they have probably just ended up being big companies that deliver things that their factories are set up to do and to deliver and somewhere along that innovation got lost how are you going to ensure that your business doesn't go the same way and i know the the scale is slightly different mm-hmm. but it's not going to be different in 5 years or 10 years it could indeed be um you know one it, it, it could indeed be bigger than some of these big companies in terms of the division you're going what's going to be stopping you becoming them i think probably three things um the first is the most important thing about our business and that is that it's founded on the set of values and that values at the very beginning was not about let's make X amount of turnover or let's return so much value it's about giving kids a better life through improving their relationship with food and every decision we make whether it's a new product a marketing campaign a a team member that we want to employ is based on the five values that we've got we run it through uh, recruitment through promotion through bonuses all of that sort of stuff so because those values, I guess, came out of a single person, my sort of vision for the company at the, at the beginning, but now are sort of embedded throughout our company, I'm really, really confident that as a new generation of, of managers and leaders and, 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 and team comes through our company, those values are just embedded there and it will continue to innovate and develop the next generation of baby foods um, to, to service a healthier generation coming forward. So that's the really important. We're going to come back to Paul very shortly, but it is time for some music in the meantime. This is America Latina from Sonzera, produced by the inimitable Giles Peterson. America Latina Eu sei é que eu não posso esquecer. Acho que... 
That was America Latina from Son Zero. Paul Linney is my business shaper today, founder of Ella's Kitchen. Now, you sold your business. You talked about you were talking about values before and, and all those things. You sold the business last May, May 2013. Obviously, you thought it was the right time to sell. Why was it the right time to sell for you? And what's it enabled you to do in the business going since that period of time? It was the right time to sell because uh, we had a very fast-growing business in America, um, yet we had very fast-growing competitors in America um, that were more private equity-backed. Um, and, you know, we had half our eye, I guess, on America and half on the UK and the rest of the world. They had their eyes totally on America. And I just felt it was we needed a partner of some description in America to help our business grow there because we knew they had, we had the consumer um, sort of buy-in. Um, so looked around, uh, not exclusively at selling the business or selling all the business, but looked at all sorts of different models and found a partner in Haines Celestial who, who acquired us um, that had the same values as ours that were prepared to pay a value that we could agree to and that could crucially add added value to our business, especially in America. Um, so that's the reason why I sold. But it was also, you know, the right time in um, the, the competitive set and the right time to bring some of the efficiencies and economies of scale that we could get from that scale that we've got, yet having the clarity and the promise that um, our business would remain independent within the group and we should just continue the entrepreneurial spirit and the purpose-led brand um, within a, a public company. And that's what's turned out 18 months later. Now, those things can be difficult. Some people kind of fall off the edge of a cliff. Some people want to retire. Some people want to run for the hills. You strike me as someone who's not running anywhere, someone who's trying to run their business and grow it. And, and as you said, deliver on a purpose as much as anything else. That's it. it's, an, it's given you a platform and you're very happy no longer being the final arbiter of your own destiny. Is that a fair way of putting it? It is, and because we did so much due diligence before selling in terms of are these the guys that we want to work with going forward? Do, do, you know, we, do we see the world the same way? And it's a public company. It needs to deliver quarterly results. We need to deliver those financial returns. We've always known that. I'm an accountant by background. That's part of business. But the view that Hain Celestial has, which is about all their businesses are about a healthier way of life, just fits over with, with Ella's Kitchen. And over the last 18 months, I guess my role has evolved from uh, being, you know, the CEO and, and, and running the P&Ls in the different territories that we're in to really being a brand advocate, to be an activist for better food for children and for being sort of the brand and culture protector of our business. And, you know, I, I'm delighted in that role. And I imagine that role means... Um that actually as you look at your day ahead each day it's a probably a very different thing to the way it was 18 months ago it sounds like you're less operationally you're still operationally involved but it's less intense in that way it, it, that's right but uh, you know as but you're I, still the boss but also as i said a few moments ago you know we've just become the biggest food brand in the uk that gives us so much credibility and so much leverage to do good from that position so the products that we develop yes that's all about business i guess and it's serving a consumer need but the airtime and the advocacy that I can give now to um, uh, uh, stopping hunger in the UK with children and to stopping obesity and finding ways to reduce um, that and improve children's health um, comes from that credibility of the last 10 years and that really excites me because I really believe that businesses can do tremendous social good and an example like Ella's Kitchen and the, the, the work that it's taken on as an independent company and within a public company um, and the, the results that we've got is a real test case to show that um, businesses can change society and do good.
We'll have our final chat with Paul, plus play track from Sam Cook. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Darling, you sent me. I know you sent me. Darling, you sent me. Honest you do, honest you do, honest you do. That was You Send Me from Sam Cook. Just for a few more minutes, Paul Lindley is my guest today, um, the founder of Ella's Kitchen and a brilliant business it is too. Going forward, it sounds like you're going to be doing more and more about child obesity, about healthy eating. It, we're almost in um, conference season now. We're, we're just about to, to hit that. What are you going to be doing with these big parties? What are you going to be telling them? About one and a half years ago, we issued a report called Averting a Recipe for Disaster, um, which called on ideas, brought ideas um, across all of society, whether that be from business or government or communities, to change the way we think about food and introduce it to our children. Some of those were government ideas. One of them was a call to uh, the British government that we need in this country a coordinated long-term policy for health and nutrition for the under fives and I think that policy can be a collaboration between government and business and communities and charities and the media all of us together giving uh, similar messages so one of the things I'm going to the party political conferences in the next couple of weeks uh, to talk to the the decision makers within the party about why they should have a manifesto pledge for next year's election um, around health and nutrition for the under fives and that policy needs to be they need to think about it like they think about uh, nuclear energy or they think about pensions it's a long-term thing we know we're going to get this right when our children of today are having their children they're bringing them up with a different relationship with food Um, so that's just one of the stage things that we're going through we've got uh, a fantastic uh, project called start smart which um, we'll further develop this year where we're again we're trying to get a collaboration between different people in our society to come together Um, so there's lots and lots of ways as well as new nutritious foods that we'll develop and bring to the market Um, one of the ways we've thought differently about this um, is a product that we've got out for this Christmas. So we've got a Christmas dinner for for a toddler in one of our standard pouches. It's turkey and all the trimmings and everything. Um, but for that, it's only going to be on shelf in the lead up to Christmas. Um, and from those sales, we're contributing to uh, Christmas dinners for kids that are hungry in London that otherwise wouldn't have a proper Christmas dinner. Now, just before I ask your song choice, and I have to let you go, which is a shame because we could talk for ages. It strikes me that you're doing incredibly important and serious stuff. And one of your core values is around remaining childlike. How does a guy like you ensure that he is still childlike, he still has fun, he's still happy when he's got such a big weight on his shoulders? Because I can feel it that you want to do great things and life short. Where do you, where do you find the joy still? work and the whole activism thing is not my entire life I've got two fantastic kids I've got other ideas about other businesses I've got holidays to take and places to visit and it's about balance isn't it but um, you know you can be passionate you can get changed there's a fantastic um, quote from Robert Kennedy from the 1960s uh, where he talks about ripples of hope uh, building into big waves of, of change and I think little waves that can come from individuals or small companies can affect change fantastic and just before i let you go what is your song choice for this wonderful level of cool music 
My Song Choice is by Nina Simone and it's Mr Bojangles and it really reminds me um, of how we should be compassionate because the story is about um, a guy that's hit hard times and that, for the grace of God, could be any of us. Brilliant. This is your song choice. It's Nina Simone and Mr Bojangles. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Elliot. I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you. With silver hair, a ragged shirt and baggy pants The old soft shoes He jumped so high, jumped so high Then he lightly touched the down Mr. Bojangles from Nina Simone, the song choice of my business shaper today, Paul Lindley. Someone who uniquely understood that you should look through the perspective of children's eyes if you're going to create products for children. Someone who puts purpose right at the centre of his business. Lots of values that he talked about and making that your focus rather than profit. However, the profit definitely has come because a commercial person is always a commercial person. Do join me again, same time, same place, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. That's next Saturday, 9am, here on Jazz FM. Stay with us now, though, because coming up next it's Nigel Williams Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea it's business but it's personal